welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone. This is Chris, and welcome to Dads with Daughters, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. You know, today I'm really excited because we've got Elisha Cooper, a children's author from New York City, on with us today. And I'm really excited to to talk with you, Elisha, and have you here today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I was really excited to have you on because I just finished reading uh, one of, uh, actually a few of your books, but, but one that really hit home to me was your book, Falling. Mm-hmm. And Falling, for for all of you um, for that are listening, the Falling is, it's a memoir. It's a memoir of Elisha's journey with his oldest daughter who had cancer and uh, and the journey that he and his daughter had to go on. And we're going to talk about that today. And I guess to start off, one of the things that I always love to start with, Elisha, is what, as you think back, your, your daughters now are 17 and 15. So it's a, it's a couple of years, but back to the beginning to when, let's say, your oldest was born, what was your first reaction when you found out that you were going to be a father of a daughter? Oh, my God. I'm, I was uh, floored. I was shocked. And, well, I still am shocked. Oh, my goodness. Those moments, I think everybody knows, are just just jaw-dropping. And you th- feel like you're kind of an on, on an island. And, but those were kind of wonderful moments. I, 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 I feel a little bit like the cliched father now where because Zoe and Mia, my other daughter, are 17 and 15, I kind of miss those moments from when they were one and holding them. And I'm, I kind of see, you know, young fathers with babies and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And I, I do miss those when they were small. I mean, they're amazing now. And so now is a good time too, but I'm, I'm feeling like that cliched father. I, I love those, those moments. I mean, there were, oh my God, there were times which drove me crazy. And that's why I wrote about it. I, I wrote a memoir for about her, Zoe's first year where I was, you know, dealing with all the terrible gifts and everything about being a young father. But uh, I miss it. And maybe I forget all the bad stuff, but I miss the good stuff. No, I think I think sometimes you do compartmentalize when you get out of those first few years when you especially when you're in that first year when you're feeling like a zombie and okay. you're you're going from moment to moment and you sort of are there, but you're sort of not. So I, I definitely feel you there and, and, and know the book that you're talking about is Crawling. And I haven't actually read that one, but, uh, but I saw that it was about that first year. Now I have to go read that after reading Follies. But one of the things, too, is, is I feel – so I wrote Crawling after the experience of those first years. And I wrote Falling, which is about my daughter having cancer, after that experience. And I think there was something about writing about it later which was helping me deal with it because, you know, those, that first year and then also having a daughter who was ill was incredibly stressful. And I, I think we all do this as we use language or we use friends or we use kind of, we have to find resources to feel about this and kind of get through it. And for me, it was writing and talking with friends, but those were two extremely stressful things. And these books were me later dealing with it. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Now, I want to jump a little bit into falling because as I said, falling is about the journey that you went on with you and your daughter as she was going through cancer. And it's a powerful book. It's, uh, you know, it definitely, I, I 
as someone that d- did not or does not have a child with cancer, I can only feel empathy for the situation and the experience, the experience that you went through. But you tell it so well. And I, you know, I felt for you as I was reading this because of the fact that as you're reading it, you see how you're dealing with the emotions and how your daughter is dealing with the emotions, but more, more so how you are dealing with it. And I know that there's a lot of dads out there that are going through stuff, whether it's a cancer with a child or other situations, and they're having to work through those emotions too. Talk to me a little bit about as a parent that had a sick child, how did you do that? How did you work through that? And, and I know that there's some stumbling blocks in your book um, and in the sense of how you went through it, but, but talk to me a little bit about how you went through that, but also how you made it past it. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely wrote a lot about anger and it was incredibly anxiety producing to put it mildly. One, one thing I often say to explain what it was like is I say that actually all parents and all fathers know these feelings, know the feelings that I went through when you wake up with a sick kid at three in the morning. And it's like that, but it was just kind of ramped up. And so we all are there and all are there at, at times. And I, I, I often say that too, because I think that any parent who has lost a kid, I can't even imagine that. You know, I think that they feel it in a way that I might have empathy for, but I, I, can't, I can't know that. So we all have those feelings, and mine may have just been more caffeinated at that time, you know, just more just like a t- high octane. But again, you know, Zoe had a cancer that was, uh, as the, our doctor said, a good cancer. You know, it wasn't good, but it was one that was, you know, curable, and she she came through, and she's a seventeen year old and healthy. And but I think all parents feel this dread when our kids get sick, or when they're crossing a street, or any number of times. I think I sometimes think about this with my own parents when they looked at, at us and, you know, I don't think that anxiety leaves us as parents or as fathers. We, it, we have that, that kind of pit in the stomach feel. And for me, it was really hard having that, but then having it all the time and having it every three months because we would go back for these tests and it felt like my daughter's life was in the balance. And, and it was, it was really tough. And, I, and again, one of the reasons I wrote the book was to kind of try to figure out these feelings of helplessness. And, and there, there were things like art that helped me, you know, it helped me to do my children's books and do my paintings and it helped me to write and it helped me. And that's how I kind of got out of those. But when I was in it, it sucked. It was just terrible. And I, I, I can't, in a way I, I hesitate to ever give advice about it because I think anybody who goes through something like this, you, you know, I was saying before you're on an Island as a father and a, it's a very alone feeling. And so I would hesitate to say, Hey, you know, if you're going through this, this is what you should do. I don't know. I mean, I hope people reach out and get help, but they're all going to, every person, every father, every parent is going to kind of have to find out what works for them. And I appreciate you sharing that because I know that it is a personal situation. It's a personal situation that every person would go through in this type of situation and not something that is the same now that your daughters are 15 and 17 and you're looking back on that cancer, I would have to imagine that it's one of the, one of the worst fears. At least it's one of my, one of my worst fears is my child gets sick um, to that extent. But now looking forward, as a father of a daughter or two daughters, 
what what now? What is your biggest fear now for them? I don't know. I don't have the same types of fears. And I, I don't, before I was saying that, like we all share as parents share these types of worries. But one of the things that actually, and I hesitate to say that it's a benefit of having gone through this, is I care less about small things. You know, I feel like little disappointments or little broken bones that happen, you know, if, if she, she or Mia twists an ankle, it's like, oh, she'll be better. She'll be okay. You know, I don't, and I, again, I hesitate to say that's a good thing, but that it definitely made me more kind of balanced that way. But who knows? I mean, I, I have no idea how to, there's only one life. It's, whole, it's hard to know how I would have been otherwise. But I think I have a little bit more perspective now and a little bit more calmness about some of the small things. Now, one of the things that you talk about in Falling is is kind of your philosophy of fatherhood and parenting and how you truly feel that kids need to be kids and they need to they need to climb trees and they need to do all these things. But so tell me a little bit more about this philosophy that you have. And because I know not every dad has that same philosophy or not every parent has that same philosophy. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I grew up on a farm with like goats and, you know, like I was always covered in mud and, and, you know, my knees were bloody all the time. And I really think that that actually, the irony of people trying to protect their kids is that you don't protect your kids because then you don't tell your kids, you let your kids fall and know how to roll. You have to know how to roll and then get up, right? And so when people try to protect their kids, I'm like, no, 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 you're doing it wrong. You need to kind of get out there. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you should go out and play in traffic. There's some protection that makes sense. But overall, you know, I feel when I'm parenting badly, it's like when I'm trying to manage my girls riding the subway up to the Bronx. They need to know that. They know that now. They're good, you know. And and Elise, my wife, was just saying this to me. You know, the more they take – just she was just saying this to me half an hour ago. The more they take on their own decisions – and their own things is the better. And I've, you know, I've, we've put in the work of making them strong, young women, young girls. And, and so I'm all about falling, literally having kids fall, bruise themselves and then get up. You know, that's my philosophy, more danger. I love that concept because I think that, you know, danger is, is, is subjective. I mean, every one of us, I think, feels that something may be dangerous, something might not be dangerous. And, and I think some of that also comes into where you live, where your kids are growing up. My kids don't live in New York City. So for me, allowing them to ride the subway by themselves when I come to visit would probably feel a little dangerous to me. Right? So a little bit, you know, this is a little subjective in that way when we go and visit my brother on his farm in Virginia, you know, I, I think that I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to get attacked by a snake or a, a chicken or something like that, you know, because I, even though I grew up on a farm, I think my, my farm cred is all gone now. And I, I you know, I'm going to trip and run into a tree, you know, because now I'm, now I'm a city guy. Hey, that would make great fodder for a new book. Yeah, exactly. No, it's true. And actually when his, when his kids come to New York, they're, you know, and they live on a farm, right? So they're, they know, they have all these animals, but they come here and they like trip on the sidewalk. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, I think danger is, as you're saying, it's subjective. But I think that as much as possible, if our children are exposed to things and they do that in a kind of a somewhat of a controlled 
safe way, then it's more safe for them to be dangerous and exposed. With the, your two girls, your two girls are, as I said earlier, 15 and 17. Yep. When you're interacting with them, when you're doing things with them, what's your favorite thing that you like to do and share with each of them? So it's interesting, you, you just mentioning um, them being young, it makes me realize that it changes so much over time. You know, my favorite thing when Mia, who's the dancer, and when she was, you know, younger, was bringing her up to ballet, you know, in, in, in Midtown. But now she's, you know, she's taking the subway home right now because she's old. And so she and I find other things. Right now she's helping me on my Instagram page, which I just started. So, so now we have a new thing. And like Zoe, one of my favorite things used to be, you know, coaching her soccer team. But now she's a runner. And now, and we used to run and that was wonderful. And now she's, she's so fast. She's so crazy fast that we run down to the river and seriously, so she's like one of the faster distance runners in New York city. And she, we go down to the river and I can't stay with her. So she leaves me. She's like, bye bye Papa. And then she just takes off and runs down to the tip of Manhattan. And I just pass, you know, I fall down in the grass at the edge of the river and wait for her to come back. So I guess that's a, a roundabout way of saying that the things that I love doing with them shift and change. And I think that that's kind of, I hope I'm coming to terms with that because of those things that I love to do with them, I'm not going to do with them anymore, you know, and those, these things change. They, it's, it's a moving target being a parent. It truly is. And, you know, I see the same thing with my girls The things that I got to do with them when they were younger, they don't always like to do the same things anymore. You have to be present and you have to really just see and understand what they're interested in and try to get in there and, and do stuff with them that they enjoy. And it may not be the same things you enjoy. Exactly. But you're still there. Yeah. And I, and I recognize in saying this, that I'm, I'm hearing myself, I realize how imperfect I am because in some ways I kind of want to do some of the things I used to do all the time was picking them up after school and having hot chocolate and reading books. And I'm not doing that anymore. And I loved that, you know, and I realize I missed that, but it's like, you know, okay, that's done. And now what's the next thing is, you know, going to, I don't know, games or something. It's, we'll see, we'll see. Well, it doesn't mean that you can't still go get that hot chocolate. Yeah, but now they don't want to have it with me. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's that too. Exactly. I'm getting I'm getting to that point as well. Yep. I usually like to ask a lot of dads about the hardest point in their time as a father of a daughter, but I think we know what that is for you. Unless, and, but, but but let's talk about what about with Mia, because Mia's your 15 year old. Um, Zo- I mean Zoe, I. I I'm going to just say I would guess that the hardest part with Zoe was probably was probably the cancer and going through that whole process. But what about with Mia? I think Mia's hilarious. She's wonderful and she's funny. And just but to think about that, her in relationship to Zoe is that sometimes there could be the problem of being the second kid who, you know, there was probably focus on Zoe growing up. and, and, And I just have to remember to give them equal time. I don't know if there's a hardest time with Mia. Mia's, Mia's great. And even, I mean, and Zoe's great too. I think that the hardest time was really dealing with myself and my feelings. And when you were, yeah, we've already talked about Zoe's cancer. And what was really hard was, you know, here's the thing. During her treatment and during her experience with this, she was a trooper. She was so strong and she'd be kind of lying on the table and dealing with this. But I'd be kind of by the side of her as she's getting scanned or tested and I just was losing it. So it, everything that I was feeling was really about very internal and about worry for her. And so these moments of, you know, the hard moments that I've had with my kids, it's really about me 
they're fine and and they have the issues that any young girl and going into a woman will have but i hope i just kind of support them and listen to them that's all we can do yeah now uh, in regards to i i just have an interesting question about falling now that zoe is almost 18 she's almost an adult and um and she looks back has she read the book and what are her thoughts on the book now based on the new lens that she's in versus when you told her about it or read her parts of it when she was going through it? Well, again, so she was diagnosed when she was five. And so in, which in an odd way was the kind of the perfect time because she was just very strong and a strong kid and she could go through it. And she didn't, she wasn't so young that she didn't, it wasn't bewildering and she wasn't old enough. So it was too scary. And she just kind of got through it. I think she probably has to deal with it more now looking back because then this happened when she was five and then I wrote it more when she was 10 and she helped me with the editing and I read it to her and I allowed her, you know, her input and she, I wanted to know what, that it was okay what I was writing about. You know, she's writing her college essays now and she's, she thinks about it. And she, I think one of her big things is she's, again, so strong and she's never wanted to be different. And I don't want to kind of speak for her, but I can, I, I definitely think that was her issue is that she didn't want to kind of stand out and be different. You know, she was a kid who, you know, lost her hair and then why is she not at school? And so she didn't want to appear different and it doesn't define her. She, you know, she's an incredible student. She's a fast runner throughout her life. She's going to take this on that she's a cancer survivor, and, but that's her story. And, and I think that speaking about change, I, I think I just need to, I'm increasingly aware that I just need to let her be. You know, this is her story. She's going to define herself as she moves on. You know, I think that's a great philosophy to have for any father, no matter if they go through a, a situation like you went through or not, is to allow our daughters to find their own story and to define themselves through that story. And I'm hearing you say, are trying to help her and by stewarding her along um, and allowing her that to happen. Yeah. And I, I can't... Con- She's, she's, uh, so I'm pretty stubborn and, and headstrong, but she's even more so. So I, I'm, she's going to do what she's going to do. God love her. Now you have a brand new book that's out right now called River. And I kind of have an interest in, in hearing a little bit about um, the creativity that you go through and the balancing that you go through, because, because as an author, you've got another book that you're working on you are working, you work at home, you you know, the kids are a part of that, but there's this work life balance or, or imbalance that, that fathers tend to to deal with. And and how have you been able to balance that out for yourself? Okay. Anything I say, I'm about to say, I almost hesitate to say it because I'm so lucky to do what I do, which is writing books and it doesn't take too much time. In other words, I feel that the work-life balance that probably most young fathers or fathers are facing, they're working harder than I am. I, 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 you know, I paint a few hours. There's some of the paintings behind me. I paint a few hours a day or I'll go to Brooklyn and write in cafes a few hours a day. And then I'll go shopping and for food and come home and do stuff like that. You know, the, my balance works because I have a really high powered, great professor wife. I'm very lucky. And so my, I can't, Anything I say, I mean, you can hear it in my voice. I, I sound a little too happy about it because I am, because I'm, I'm very lucky. And being an, a writer 
Am I, if I spent like seven hours a day writing, I would be exhausted. I would lose my mind. You know, I can only do a few hours and then I move on to other stuff. And it's not like I'm not working at midnight, you know, being a writer means that sometimes that you're always on, but, and like, like right now I'm doing this book tour for river, but it's, my balance is going to be different from most men's. And I kind of know that I just kind of juggle, but we all juggle, but I think I, I know I don't work as hard as most people. So I, I can't give any advice. That's okay. You know, one of the things I really liked about River when I read it is it's a story of a character that is that is traversing the Hudson River. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier and you were talking about that that character has special meaning for you. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about it. It's good. I'm so it's a young woman in a canoe going down the Hudson. And I didn't take this trip. I was driving up and down the Hudson and drawing it. But then I made this character, and it, she's definitely modeled after my daughters. And it's me picturing them as young women, as 30, because it's basically a story of this young woman who leaves her family behind for two weeks for no reason and then comes back to them at the end. It's sort of like a modern odyssey. And I definitely was thinking about my daughters. And, you know, it's interesting. In a lot of the books I do, I don't know, I'm kind of a New Yorker. I'm kind of a jerk. I'm a little cynical. I'm kind of mean. I swear a lot. but if I have a sentimental side to me, it's like, it is about my girls and it's about my cats too. And there's something about writing this book where like, even at the end of it, I get a little, I don't know if I should admit this, but you know, I get a little weepy because I kind of picture my daughters finishing this journey. And you know, those last pages of this river book, it's really about Zoe making it in some way, you know, I'm just so proud of her and of Mia and, the imagining them them finishing whatever their journey is, you know, okay, this book is about this woman finishing her journey down a river, but it's really about being a human and facing some risk and getting through because, you know, specifically travel is not easy. Bad things happen and then we get through it. And in a broader sense, life isn't easy. There are complications and things go wrong and people get sick and we lose jobs and all sorts of things go wrong and then we get through it not always sometimes things go wrong but and i i can't even imagine those things but when we fight through problems and and obstacles like this woman does coming down the hudson or like my daughter did it's kind of beautiful you know what i'm saying you you come home and you come home to your family and you come home or you get through something and it's just like the skies open up. And so that's kind of what I was trying to do with this book. And it, yeah, again, you know, it's a kid's book about a woman going down the Hudson, but it's really about me, I think. Well, it was a beautiful book. And you truly feel like you are going down the Hudson with her. And I, I just commend you on that because it was a great book. Thank you so much. Now, we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our Fatherhood Five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you. Uh-oh. So in one word, and it could be two, what is fatherhood? Confusing? Oh, I can't say it. See, I'm, I'm, I'm having that trouble as a writer trying to come up with one word on the spot. I, I would say um, confusing, but here's the thing, though. Is I, uh, oh, I don't know. I'm totally stuck. Amazing. Wonderful. I don't know. But here's the thing. I, I don't even know if it's about being a father is wonderful, but I would say it's more specific. I love being a father to these two guys, you know? So maybe that's true of all of us. So let's go with amazing. Ugh, I don't like that word. 
I'm already editing it. Sorry. <laughs> so when was a time that you felt that you finally succeeded in being a father to a daughter? Never. <laughs> I'm still failing. That's my answer for that one. Well, we'd have to ask your daughters if they feel the same way. They, they feel that way every time I, so I walk them to the bus in the morning and I'm like walking them wearing my Uggs and my, and my shorts and they just pretty much are running the other direction and rightly so. My daughters would do the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how would your daughters describe you as a dad? Somebody who wears Uggs and shorts. Pretty much. <laughs> no, I think they, they're on to me. They know that I'm full of it. And, you know, if I can get a laugh every once in a while, that's a win. That's a big win. Yeah, when you can get a laugh and not an eye roll at yeah. those ages, it's even better, right? Exactly, exactly. I live for those. So who inspires you to be a better dad? Elise, my wife, the girls, this family. And I know you said you don't always like to give advice. But what's, what's one piece of advice that you would give to other dads with daughters? Take them to football games. Go running with them and give them a lot of books. Those are three things. That's sort of what I did. It's what I still do. I'm always buying them books. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go see the Giants, play the Packers with them in a, in a couple of weeks. Well, I really appreciate all those answers because they were just completely honest and open. And that's what we like to get at. So, yeah. so Elijah, I really appreciate you being on today. Now, oh, thanks, if, people, if people want to find out more about you, find out more about the books, where's the best place for them to go? I would just go to ElijahCooper.com and, and my books are there. And I always encourage people to go to their local independent bookstore, wherever they are. This book River just came out two days ago. My publisher insisted that I, as I mentioned, just start an Instagram page, which is now curated by Mia. So I'm, I'm slowly getting out there, though I'm, I'm really so much more comfortable. I'm such a bad technology and social media person. I'm so much more comfortable with a football and a and a coffee. Well, I appreciate you being here today and sharing everything that you've been sharing. And we'll have links in our notes today to your site so people can find out more about you and find your books. Thank you. And I uh, yeah, wish you all the best. I really appreciate it. It strikes me just talking at like how much I actually love talking about my, my girls and my daughters and about being a father. Because we, yeah, it's true. We don't talk often about this. And it's kind of great. Yes, it really is. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. Thanks for listening. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat 
And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be